Um, let's turn our Bibles to Romans 18. Romans 18. And, uh, if you like the notes, the notes are coming around. Good to see Brother June and Sister Alice back from their break. And uh, indeed, pray for others. You know, others come back, others go. So it's the season for traveling. But um, Romans chapter 18, and just read one verse here, verse 15. And um, what's that? Uh, sorry, Matthew. <laughs> Thank you, Johan. Johan's looking at me like, oh, so there's no Romans. There's no Romans 18. He's like, all right. Uh, Matthew 18, Matthew. All right, verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth. Uh, that's verse 18. Man, last Wednesday of the year, and I had to do that, right? Verse 15. Um, I don't know, something else was on my mind, I think. Um, verse 15, all right, let's start again. Let's start again. All right, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone, and if shall, he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. And um, we, we know this passage of Scripture as being the, really a key passage as far as how we ought to restore um, ourselves one to another when, when we find fault with one another, and so an important teaching. Uh, but I want you to note just very, very clearly here in verse 15 that there, is, there needs to come to a point, though, in these moments where you need to come to a confrontation. And really what we're going to learn about today is confronting the critic. All right, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about just some principles and different things regarding uh, problems and issues when we have uh, those kind of things one with another. But it's very different to, to be instructed in it, but then to actually do it, isn't it? Uh, when I was growing up, I played a lot of tennis and before I played, uh, before I started to play, I was, uh, I was at that time, and still now, but, but particularly I was an avid reader of just anything, all right? I used to read the encyclopedia just for fun. That was just me as a kid, all right? But I would read books about tennis because I would watch it on TV, and I really wanted to play. So I would read a lot of, you know, tennis books, instructions, they would have diagrams, and so I would look at that. And then finally, after a year or two, my parents were able to enroll me into um, some sort of tennis uh, classes. And so I remember thinking to myself, well, I've read about it for about two years. I should be all right. But then I remember going on that court, and I remember thinking, it's very different to what I, I was reading about. And it's like that when it comes to life experiences, and particularly when it comes to, you know, these kind of things where it's awkward it's, it's finally come to that point where you need to apply what you've learned. And, you know, we've been talking the last couple of weeks uh, about how there are times, and it is cr criticism and, and, and problems between each other. It's part and parcel of life. And, and we've learned some good principles that, that are from the Word of God. But now we're going to look at some practical things. All right? And maybe you've been thinking through that, and maybe this is the very situation that you have in your life. Um, can I encourage you that there does need to be a time where you do have to apply what you learn? And in this case, it's actually coming to a point of confrontation. And, and so we see that here, but look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and 
See, that's why I said Romans 18, all right? Because we we're going to turn to Romans uh, eventually. Romans chapter 12, and let's begin reading. Look at verse 10. It says, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Then he says, Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope. But then notice, skip down to verse 14. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. And so whilst we understand that there needs to come to a point in these situations where there needs to be a confrontation, the, really the goal of, of coming to this point isn't to prove a point. It's come to, to come to a place of understanding. It's come to a place where you, the confrontation should, should really lead into reconciliation. And, and it's, again, it's one thing to learn about what to do. It's another thing to action what you know and apply it. And so just a couple of practical thoughts tonight, really, as we think about confronting the critic. And, and again, there's much more that we can say, but we're, gonna, we're just going to cover this, the, these little things. But the first thing is really taming the critic or taming the situation. And, and I think it's handy to, to firstly go through what not to do. And I think as we think about the, these particular verses in Romans chapter 12, just a reminder to be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. And here's the point I'm trying to make. See, what not to do when taming the critic or the issue, the goal is not to destroy the critic. Right? The goal is not to destroy. You know, we as believers, we're not called to destruction. Actually, we're, we're called to build up. And even in these awkward situations where you're facing a problem, and you're confronting an issue, there needs to be the idea and the, the mindset that the goal is not to destroy the critic. Nor is the goal to just suppress differences of opinion. And, and you know, one of the things that I think we covered last week was, was we can still be kind to each other even when we have a difference of opinion. And I think sometimes we think that if we disagree, and especially in our, in our culture today, in, in just the way even our young people are are taught sometimes is if you have a disagreement, you should dislike that person. But actually, that's, that's, not, that's not actually the case. It's, you know, we, we can still have a difference of opinion and still, still come to a, a consensus. But understand that, that differences and our uniqueness, that's, that's part of our strength. It's actually part of our strength, the way we are unique and the way we are even at times um, perceive things that are different. All right, in different ways. We're, we're stronger when we have really what I like to call unified diversity. And it's okay to have a di diversity of thought around some things. And remember, we covered last week, one of the principles about this is it's not always a matter of, of right or wrong. Sometimes we over-spiritualize things and think that just because it's our opinion, it's therefore the will of God. And, and so this falls under this, this thought here you know, we, we ought to have a unified diversity. You know, controlled friction produces energy. And what friction is, is when two different surfaces come together and they, they, um, they, they rub and they create some sort of energy. Or two different substances come together and they create a spark. You think about how an engine works. It's a combustion engine. Little explosions between two different, uh, different sources come together and they create an explosion that then moves the vehicle. And at times, they're, they're, 
the, the evidence of a church that's moving forward actually is there's friction. In a family situation, a family that's moving forward, and you're going to find this especially for those of you who are starting to see older children in your home, they're going to have maybe even a different perspective to you because they view the world a little differently to you. And you know what that evidence is? It actually evidences growth. Your, your children are now thinking beyond, you know, beyond just the, the, the face value. They're, they're stretching their minds, and they have valid questions. And, and here's what, what the mistake we do is when, when those come about, we feel threatened. And rather than, than perceiving it as, okay, there's some growth here and an opportunity to teach, then we try to suppress that difference. And actually, difference is good when it creates momentum. All right? Uh, control, controlled, um, controlled friction brings momentum. So when you come together and you have an understanding that, yes, you might have differences, but you come together to solve the problem, then that brings momentum. But then uncontrolled um, friction brings destruction. So it's not that you just, you just sort of let, let the differences fly. You, you have to come to a consensus, but then no friction at all brings no momentum. So if you suppress the differences, then actually there's no momentum. All right, so, so it's, the goal is not to suppress differences of opinion. Here's another thing not to do. Don't make them a martyr. You know, if we silence every griper, someone, if our goal is just to simply silence them. If we silence uh, every, every complaint and, and we, pick to, uh, we, we pick to have a battle every single time, well, all you do then is turn them into a martyr for the cause. It sort of justifies their complaint. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes, again, we do this in, in a leadership situation when, when we understand we have really the final say, but then you're, you're observing a, a difference there in those who, who are following. You know, you could force the issue and lose your testimony and, and lose your, uh, and, and, and act out in anger, but what you're doing is you're, you're causing something there that's not, that ought not to be there. And, and what I'm saying is they need to be deflected, not destroyed. And here's the thing, don't overreact. Okay, remember David with Shimei, again, he, he understood that, that he needed to work some things through there. He didn't just go out in force. Okay, and so, so those are some things not to do. Okay, the goal is not to destroy. The goal is not to suppress differences of opinion. Okay, if, again, I'm, I'm saying opinion, if it's truth, right, if it's a doctrine and they have a, the, the different doctrine from the Word of God, then correct that. But if it's not an absolute, it's an opinion, then, then allow that at times and hear it out. And I think that's a great principle, actually, as your children grow older as well. But, but don't, uh, the, the third thing was don't make them a martyr. Okay, don't just silence every griper and don't pick a battle every time. And then don't overreact, all right? So what is it, what then should we do? If those are the things not to do, what should we do Firstly, have the right attitude. You know, one of the things that, that is part of this whole process is that we must check our attitude. It's our spirit. You know, when we're, we're frustrated at a situation, it's easy to have the wrong spirit. It's easy to come to that point and, and maybe you're, you, know, you're, you have a disagreement 
And maybe you've already had some discussion. And here we go again. It's going to be another discussion about the same thing. Then I want to say that really the thing that we ought to do is check our attitude. And here's, here's what I'm saying. Try to see them as a child of God. Remember that. You know, sometimes we forget that when, especially in a, in a church setting, in a setting where it's a fellow believer, we forget that really in the sight of God, we're all His children. And, and none of us here, none of us, none of us like it when our children are, are fighting and warring against each other. None of us like that. None of us like the, the arguments that just seem to be about nothing. And, and you remember that, that, again, God sees us as His children. So have that attitude that you're here, you're not communicating with just another person. You're communicating with another child of God. He or she is a child of God. So have that attitude. Try to see them as wounded sheep rather than lions. You know, we, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. Sometimes when there's, sometimes there's a deeper thing there. Sometimes in, in our communication with them, there's a, there's a very real deep reason or even a deep hurt why they respond that way. And so I try to understand that, that perhaps they're wounded sheep rather than lions because, you know, those who hurt, hurt others. Have the attitude that you reinforce, that you can disagree but still like each other. You know, that's a hard thing to do. We, we tend to think that, you know, our opinion is correct. But actually, sometimes it's just opinion. And, and it's okay to have differences. And so, reinforce that. Okay, re- reinforce that no matter how this turns out, we will still be in fellowship. We will still get along. I will still pray for you. I will still, and, and, and so forth. And really, actually, this, genuinely pray for them. You know, when you're going through a confrontation time, don't just think about what you're going to say. Think of, don't just think about the points you're going to bring up. Don't be so carnal. Should be spiritual. How about you pray for them? How about you take the time to pray for them, to pray that, that the Lord will soften both your hearts? Because here's what prayer does. Prayer doesn't just change the situation. Prayer changes your heart. And when we pray for the the other, and and even in in times where we're in in opposite views, prayer changes you. And then the the next thing is this, be gentle but firm. All right, if if you understand where you're at and, and where it needs to be, be gentle but firm. Okay, be clear, loving, and firm. You know, we've, I've had situations where there, there's, been, um, there's been some, some things that, you know, were said in a, in a public setting, um, you know, in, in, on social media regarding certain things that, that have happened in the church. And some of those have come back and, you know, they've said, they've apologized and, and they've, they've shown some repentance but, you know, at those points, I had to be gentle about that and, and accept it, but firm about some things because I don't want those things repeated again. And, and so there's a gentleness but a firmness that we need to have, and we need to be clear and loving and firm. Okay, so have, that, ha- have an attitude checked. Secondly, 
there's a certain atmosphere for, for confronting. You know, I think sometimes we, we forget that the setting is important. Okay, what's the setting? Um, you, you ought to always, when it's a confrontation, choose face-to-face. Always. Don't, don't do it via email. Don't do it via text. Don't even just rely on a phone call. Do it face-to-face. You know, there's just certain things that you can get a clue about someone's attitude and feeling toward you by just looking at their face, right? That doesn't always translate via email or text message, does it? And I know we have emojis now, but some emojis just fall short of what you're really saying, all right? So, so actually, come face to face. There's, there's, a, there's, the, there's really two different types of communication. There's synchronous communication or asynchronous communication. Okay, synchronous communication is, is when you communicate and it's an immediate, real-time response. So when you're talking to someone, and they might pause to think about it, but, but they're, they're immediately communicating something to you. That's what, that's what synchronous communication is. That's face-to-face. Asynchronous communication is like is emails, texts that don't immediately give you a clue or give you communication. And you think about that. You know, when, when we're, we're making judgment calls about important things, generally speaking, you want real-time information, don't you? You know, part of the, the advancements in medical technology has been the fact that some, some doctors, they could be all the way across the other side of the world, and they could have real-time viewer, uh, viewing of a surgery, of statistics about the patient, and that's advanced, hasn't it? The ability for doctors to, to be able to um, effectively treat a, a needy patient. And, and that's what I'm saying, you know, when it comes to communication about critical things, about, about confrontations that can be awkward, synchronous communication is far more effective than asynchronous. Because you could always misread something that's not in real time. Even just a brief pause, they haven't returned that email for a while, that could get you nervous. That could get you down a path of presumption, which actually the Bible warns us about. And so it's more important than to have that atmosphere and and understand the setting is important, but in that setting, choose face-to-face communication always, synchronous communication. Okay, timing and location needs to be thought through. Okay, you've got to think through, okay, what does this environment convey? All right, um, if you're going to speak to someone and in, in it's going to be a very difficult conversation, then they might, it might just be that it, it might, it'll be easier to break that, um, break that news to them in a more neutral environment. Does that make sense? You know... Um, most most uh, most counselors who, um, who who really as part of their their main job and, and really their main ministry, many counselors who who do that do this kind of thing often. What they prefer to do is actually when they're going to confront someone about a difficult thing, is they have it over a meal. I was thinking this morning. Um, the, the, there's a verse, you know, a gift 
makes room for someone, doesn't it? And at times, the way, the way we ought to do it is, is, look, let's have a meal together, and we're going to have this awkward conversation. It always softens a blow when you've got a steak right in front of you, all right? Or a coffee, maybe, right? Um, but those kind of settings, what, what that is, is rather than having tension, it's disarming. And you don't want tension. You don't want tension when it comes to confrontation. There's already going to be a natural tension in that. And so having a setting where it's neutral, having a setting where, where it's disarming, actually is to your advantage, all right? And sometimes we're, we're thoughtless about it. And yet the, the Bible tells us to be uh, wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Okay, someone once said to break awkward conversations, do it over breaking bread. And, you know, there's that principle right through the New Testament about the church breaking bread together. And so, do that. Think about the timing and location. You know, you, maybe you might need to have an understanding about that person. Um, I think sometimes generations deal with it differently. You know I, know, I just know this, most of our Gen X and Gen Y in our church, being, being across them over a desk sends the wrong message. If I'm sitting there and I'm sitting them across a desk, it actually already says to them, you're in big trouble. <laughs> Whereas for, for some of you who are in, in the boomer or older generation, that might just be the norm. It's the formality of it, right? And, and, and sitting maybe in a, in a different setting for them as opposed to others, and you've just got to be mindful about that. And, and again, be prayerful and thinking through that. All right, so the atmosphere for confronting is very important. Um, don't be too, too fast. Don't be too slow. You think about the, the, the timing of it all. Understand that you need wisdom from God and how you are to unfold the, the conversation. Um, again, location, somewhere, somewhere that's safe, somewhere where you uh, might need, you know, all the advantage that you need and not to... Not to not to make them feel guilty, but to have that a comfortable conversation. All right, so location is important. Um, you may require at times an extra person as a witness. I know many times in, in certain counseling situations where I've, I've had to bring in a deacon, I've had to bring in another man in the church, I've had to bring in my wife, Right? Because those kinds of conversations, they're, they're conf confrontation, but I've needed a third person there. All right, it's just good to, to at times understand when that is needful. But then think about your approach. All right, think about your approach. Sometimes your confrontation, it, and, and think about it this way, it needs to be a private conversation. All right, um, in private conversation, and, and many times... You need to start off with just, with just a one-on-one -on -one situation. You know, it's always less threatening when it's one person to one person than a group with one person. It just is. I think I spoke about it last week. You remember, remember Jacob and Esau, right? Jacob had run off for a while. He, he thought, I'm going to return now. And remember, he hears Esau's going to come to meet him. Now, nothing had been resolved over the years, right? And what happened? Jacob feared. You know why? Esau, it wasn't because Esau, Esau was just going to meet him. 
Esau had 400 men. <laughs> what does that communicate? It communicated fear into, into Jacob's heart. And so Jacob then, you know, all of that, he wrestles with God, he becomes Israel and all, and all of that, and God gives him power to, and courage to be able to go. But the initial thing of Esau coming with 400 men probably was not the right thing if you were just trying to make peace with your brother. <laughs> if you were just trying to clarify a situation. So, so it's actually a, a wise thing to just do that in a private conversation, one-on-one. And in the, that private conversation, what I like to use is a sandwich principle. Why is it with Baptists, food analogies just work, all right? But it's a sandwich principle, okay? So start with a bit of praise. Start with things that you know about that person. You're thankful for them. You're thankful for their part in the family, in the church, and, and understand who they are. But then come with the confrontation. That's the meat of the issue, isn't it? But then finish off on a positive note. Praise. Affirm your support for them. Affirm that you care for them. Affirm that you love them. Affirm that you want to, uh, to, to even though this is a difficult thing to hear, that this isn't just to to destroy them, actually, you're, we're trying to work things out. And so that's a good way to, to approach it. I seek to agree on compromise where you can. And again, there's, there's certain things that we won't compromise on, right? If it's truth, if it's, if it's um, the doctrines of the Word of God. But there's other things that you can compromise on and seek to agree on how you will disagree. This is a, this is a good way, actually, you know, in, in a marriage setting, Agree how you're going to disagree. All right, because here's the reality, and some of you don't lie to me, all right? All of us here who are married disagree with our spouse from time to time. Some more frequently than others. <laughs> some on the way here tonight. No, just kidding. Um, hopefully, I'm kidding. But, you know, in those moments, and in part of my, part of my premarital counseling I talk with couples about how to have a good fight. You know why? Because you will have a fight. <laughs> you will. You're kidding yourself if you don't. All right, you, you will. Some you won't fight verbally, but you'll fight emotionally. You won't say a thing to each other for a week. And you might go, well, Pastor, we didn't fight. Actually, you did, you know. <laughs> but agree how you're going to disagree. Okay, agree that, okay, if we have a disagreement, we're going to give each other space. But then in an hour, we're going to come back and we're going to discuss this. Agree that if you're going to have a disagreement, you're not going to sleep on it. You're going to, you're going to talk about this before you get to bed and come to a place of at least compromise. All those kind of things. The Bible tells us don't let, don't, um, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, right? So, uh, have an approach, okay? Seek to agree on how you will disagree. For example, you can say things like, you know, maybe next time you have this concern, could you please promise to come to me first rather than telling someone else about this? Could you come to me about this because it's, it's really not helping the situation that you're telling everyone else about it? Because that's how gossip, that's how division starts. When you go, don't go to the person who it's actually concerned about. 
who can actually solve the issue, who can actually solve the problem. What we do is we tell everyone else, we want their backing, and then we tell the person. That's unbiblical. And actually do the right thing. And you can say things like that when you, you come to a place of speaking, of confrontation. Okay, before you, can you promise please to come to me first? And again, you may need a witness. You may need to say, look, this is enough that I need to make notes about this. Okay, there's enough here that I won't remember it. I'm going to need to take notes. So, so be open about that. But again, be clear about your approach. Okay, lay down, lay down the ground rules from the start. Lay down the fact that, okay, if that won't be discussed, we will discuss this. And that's how you gotta, you're going to have to approach that, all right? So that's the way, I think, some practical things. But, but what happens when, it, couldn't, when it, it can't be resolved and it couldn't be resolved in that, in that meeting? Here's the first thing I want to say. Give it time. Give it time. You know, not every problem has to be solved on the spot. Nor should every problem be have to be solved on the spot. Because you know what? The Bible warns us about being hasty with our words. So why is it that sometimes we want to just go on and on? Okay, it, if it couldn't be resolved, give it time. And you know, someone said time heals all things. In fact, I think one time I, was, I did a, a, a class on this on a Sunday school, and I said time heals all things. Actually, time doesn't heal all things, but most things. Um, time can also allow the Spirit of God to work. Uh, everyone believe in the Spirit of God this evening? I do. He indwells my heart. He indwells every one of you who are saved. And who knows that one of the roles of the Spirit of God is to guide us to all truth. And so you might need to allow the Spirit of God to work in a person's heart. Instead of you trying to solve the situation, hey, don't you believe the Holy Spirit of God can solve the situation? And, and maybe, even in that situation there, you might, you, yourself, might gain some clarity over time. And so, take the time. Give it time. Uh, keep perspective if it can't be resolved. See what else is happening. Maybe there's a deeper issue, like I said. And here's what I'm saying. Ask, don't accuse. You know, it's not helpful when, when you leave the meeting and you know, you've gone nowhere and you said, well, you probably have sin in your life. Hey, brother. <laughs> no, ask. Is there anything that I can help you? It, it, it just seems like you're really upset about this. Is there something else you're not telling me? And ask. Don't accuse. All right? Keep perspective. Remember your affliction is teaching you. Um, remember that God uses that. Okay? Psalm 119 verse 71. Remember that the approved are made manifest. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And look at verses 17 to 19. It says, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not. It says that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. So you remember the the Corinthian church, it was a carnal church, it was a lot of division, right? There were those who, who were causing 
um, the wrong kind of friction in the church. Then he says, for there must be, in verse 19, also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. So saying like, he's saying, you know, part of the reason why there's all of these things in the church is actually God's trying to reveal those who are approved. He's trying to reveal those who are, are trying to follow Christ. He's trying to help you understand that, that it'll be made known, those who, who are true in their, in their doctrine, in this case, but many times in their intention, in their motive. And so remember that. Keep perspective that ultimately, ultimately God is the one that's a revealer of that. All right? And then, thirdly, learn firm forgiveness. At the end of it, if it can't be resolved, you just got to forgive anyway. Remember, the whole teaching in, in uh, Matthew 18 is that really at the end of it, there's forgiveness. When Jesus teaches on forgiveness, it's a presumption that you're going to do it. That's, that's really his presumption. And, and so learn firm forgiveness. The bigger the issue, obviously the harder to forgive. But here's what I'm saying. You must learn to. And you know what? The, the church is so hindered by our lack of forgiveness sometimes. We hold on. And we hold on. And we never shake that brother's hand. We never see them eye to eye again. And it hinders the work of God. It hinders every family. You know, when there's unforgiveness in a family. It hinders the family moving forward. So learn from forgiveness. There are times that we as a church will suffer these things. So we can together learn to corporately forgive. And really here's the point, exercise Christ-likeness. There will be times where within our own church, there'll be difficult things to forgive. And I love what Pastor Lloyd said about this. You can only turn the other cheek if you first got slapped. And many things God, learn, God teaches us through difficult learning. And, you know, when it can't be resolved, it, it comes to the point where the only thing that's Christ-like to do is not fight on, just forgive. And, and, you know, forgiveness actually is not just a spiritual concept. It's a practical truth. You practically have to forgive. You have to forgive that person. You have to understand that we forgive because Christ forgave us. And that's the presumption. And so tonight, you know, just really practical things. Um, remember your attitude. Remember the, your atmosphere, the, the approach. But if it can't be, you know, give it time. Keep your perspective. And then forgive. Learn to firmly forgive. Let's pray. I thank you again, Father, for the time. And thank you for everyone listening well tonight. I pray that you'd help us. I know, Lord, that not all of us are, perhaps are in this situation. Maybe we've, we've been through this situation in the past. Maybe, and most certainly, we'll come to a point of this in the future. So I pray that you'd help us in those moments to remember the things that we've learned.
Lord, the, just these practical things that would help us, Lord, in, in that time. Uh, how, how to really, in those moments of con- confrontation, uh, be able, Lord, to preserve and then restore. And Lord, I believe that's your heart in, in every one of these matters. So we pray and ask these things in Christ's most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen.